This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Mr. Harker, I'm glad that you've arrived safely. I am Dracula, and I welcome you to my house. I must apologize for not being here to greet you personally, but I trust that you have found everything you needed. It was the least that I could do after such a journey, and tiring for you, no doubt. Permit me to show you to your room. Now, please, allow me. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. I'm Leo. I'm Lauren. I'm Trevor. And we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 177. This time around, you are joined by drummer and singer Bron Daler from the Grammy Award-winning rock band Mastodon. He is a huge horror fan. Discover his genre firsts and the cool way the band uses horror and genre films in the studio. Get into their latest release, Medium Rarities, including their new song, Fallen Torches. Hear about the band's time guest starring on Game of Thrones, how work on the next album is coming along, Bronze love of clowns, and drawing said clowns. And a time of release, how he plans to spend Halloween this year. Episode 177 starts now. Hey, this is Bron Daler, and you are checking out another terrifying episode of The Boo Crew. Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is the drummer and a vocalist in one of the most influential bands in modern music. Everything they do is a true exploration of not only sound and power, but experimentation and innovation. That transcends to a visual level as well, making it a tangible journey they take you on. The sorcery in that journey is that they found a way to challenge the listener at every step, while at the same time unlocking our imagination and inspiring without self-indulgence. This alchemy is why they have found many fans and filmmakers and fellow creators because of these portals that reveal themselves within the cathartic melodies buried in sludge and groove. It is also why they've been consistently nominated for Grammy Awards, winning one in 2018 along with the same honor for Metal Hammer and Metal Storm, among others. Each album becomes an event religiously gets named album of the year from every major music publication and reviewer in existence. Alternative Press names them as one of the all-time great hard rock groups. They are celebrating 20 years together with their new rarities collection, Medium Rarities, out now. We are honored to welcome Bron Daler from the heaviest band on the planet, Mastodon. Yeah! yeah. Wow. That was a... Uh... Yeah, thanks for that. Dude, man, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So as music and horror is our thing, we got to ask you if you're a fan of the genre and what are some of your earliest memories of being exposed to horror as a viewer? Oh, absolutely. Huge fan of horror and uh, excited about October. I got started early. I, I put the eight 
glow in the dark skeletons all around my dining room table. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> awesome. Nice. Because no one fucking uses that table. And, you know, I was at Lowe's home improvement store and I saw a way to improve my home vastly. Right. <laughs> 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 a couple hundred dollars on some skeletons. Right. <laughs> was it. <laughs> what hardware store has the giant 12 foot tall skeleton? That would be Home oh, Depot. Yeah. We have one on our front lawn. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's crazy. <laughs> The only downside to it is the batteries barely last a week is what I'm discovering. Like, oh, yeah. We got to like hardwire it. Man, that thing is cool, though. I think that the, the skeletons are going to stay because honestly, I never eat dinner over there. It's really just a, I don't even know why it's there. So the skeletons and I really, truly just did it to so that every morning I could walk downstairs and say, Boy, you guys look hungry. (laughs) I tried to feed them last week and everything they eat just goes right through. (laughs) So, yeah, anyways, I'm I'm a big fan of the of of, uh, horror movies as far back as I can remember being a a human being. I think I saw, you know, all the classics uh, when I was a kid. I remember there being like hammer movie marathons around Halloween and my and that that was my first introduction to dracula was the christopher lee dracula so I, that was my that's my dracula love all the hammer stuff and of course i love being a child of the 80s i you know i love those franchises like uh friday the 13th and just all the all the all the boogeymen from the 80s and i like all the the goofy gore stuff like uh, street trash and frankenhooker and all that good stuff and i love the exorcist and i love uh rosemary's baby and uh i was a subscriber to fangoria magazine and uh i remember doing a porch production of creep show after i saw that movie i rounded up all the kids in the neighborhood and tried to direct a uh, <laughs> a porch play of uh, and getting furious with my sister because she kept forgetting her lines you know? <laughs> storming off set you know that's amazing is there any more any horror movies that have genuinely scared you i think that the exorcist scared me when i was a kid and and i'll say salem's lot i think was the first one that i remember being truly like when that kid was up knock tapping on that window i i I think i had some nightmares that were related to and then my one of my uncles we used to go out my great aunt and uncle had a a farm that was like 20 minutes outside of Rochester that we used to go to every year for a big Halloween party. And my uncle was out there one year, I think I was around six or seven years old. And we were sitting in the back of our station wagon, getting ready to go into the Halloween party. And my uncle was over near the barn with like this light shining on him. And he had the full on the Dracula from Salem's lot, that mask with the hands and everything, you know, movie quality. And we were, that's really him. We would knock it out of the car. And he just came over and started walking in circles around the car, scared the absolute shit out of us. And uh, yeah, so I like that feeling, you know what I mean? I, I like, uh, it's fun to be that kind of scared, you know? It's not gun to your head scared. It's a different feeling. <laughs> I like is there any recent horror that's impressed you? Yeah, Hereditary. I think it's like, that's the vibe, you know, it's like, that I look for. You know, it's more, it's more cerebral I guess, and and a true work of art. I think that that movie was like, wow, totally uh, floored me. I saw it three or four times in the theater. Uh, Midsummer again, uh, that was incredible. I really liked Witch. I didn't love the ending. I, I was hoping that it would not turn supernatural. You know, I thought that the vibe was really cool. 
I really liked that. I thought it was interesting and new and different. So there's, there's, there's some new and cool, interesting things. Anything that the, that the hereditary director does in the future, I'm going to be, you know, excited to see. So many good, good, exciting things happening in the world of horror nowadays. And uh, I mean, God, especially with streaming now, I keep referencing this like last week alone, like 10 new horror films came out. It's insane. It's always hard to keep up with. I know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm excited to, you know, October for a lot of people. It's like, okay, let's dive in. And and especially nowadays with what's happening, it's, it's nice to be able to turn your brain off and go to a, a fake scary place instead of the extremely real scary place that we live in right right now. There's such a cinema to the music that you guys do. And you're very much kind of builders of worlds in your songs and albums and whether you're sending us on quests like in Blood Mountain or the beginning of, uh, of Steam Breather or Precious Stones from Emperor Sand that sounds straight out of a, a horror or sci-fi film. Talk a bit about how music becomes a visual experience for you. And are there any films that you always carry with you that have informed that? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, we're extremely cinematic. I'm not a person that sees uh, music and colors. I see it in like scenes, you know, just a riff can trigger. Like, I say, Oh, I'm seeing this. That's coinciding with that piece of music. And that's what informs all of our art and all of our, you know, concepts and themes and song titles. It's, it's clued off of, and it's all exists within some sort of either sci-fi or horror realm, you know, those things coupled together. And just the, the kind of tone that we want to set is in a realm of horror. You know, that's what, that's the mood we want to create, you know, some kind of psychedelic uh, horror kind of vibe, you know? So yeah, everything is cinematic for us. And I think that there's certain movies that we have at all times when we're in their studio, because there's a lot of time spent, there's somebody's tracking guitars or somebody's doing whatever they're doing in the, in the control room we're out in the lounge and there's a movie playing and we're right we're all feverishly writing lyrics because we are procrastinators and we're just like writing lyrics on pizza boxes like here go sing this right now and that's what ends up being the final thing that you hear but there's always like there'll be like rosemary's baby playing or uh or 2001 or you know and we just sort of choose we'll choose a grouping of movies and just sort of have that always on the on the television always playing you know, I remember when we were doing Once More Around the Sun and it was those two movies on a constant loop. So it was always either 2001 or or Rosemary's Baby. And so it just creeps in there. And, and you you can make that choice to have that be what seeps in almost like, you know, when you're having a dream and the TV's on, you know, Forensics Files is on and then uh, it seeps in and it, and it becomes a part of it. You know what I mean? We want that to penetrate. You know what I mean? So. I think for Blood Mountain, we had uh, El Topo and um, Holy Mountain were playing on a constant loop. So that kind of just cinema integrates with your musical project. You know what I mean? I, I can't, you know, so, so it's important for us to have those things in place before we enter the studio. Oh, that's fascinating. That's interesting. Wow. So what, when listening to Blood Mountain uh, that you brought up, writer-director Jimmy Hayward began working on a screenplay, which is really cool how that folds back over on itself. What did that relationship he developed with your music result in? I mean, we, we ended up doing the, the, a majority of the soundtrack for Jonah Hex. It was, our, it was a cool experience. It was the first time that we 
had really been asked to do something that extensive for for film, you know, and go into a, a studio in uh, L.A. and they had the, the screen up and you're we were literally writing two scenes, you know. So uh, it was cool. It was it was um, it was it was way more specific than we had ever gotten as far as like matching up to an actual scene. Usually the scenes are something that's no one else is privy to. That's a it's a scene that's that's um, manifested just in your mind's eye, you know. So this was like, OK, there's a train doing this and then this happens. So what does that sound like? So it was a really cool um, musical experiment that none of us had ever experienced before so it was it was really and also we've maintained a friendship with him so kind of like lifelong friends now because of that experience so it was really it opened up a lot of doors for us it gave us a, a great friend and i got to uh meet barbara streisand and helen mirren so and barbara streisand helen mirren had to to me play drums i know that that happened i watched it that's so cool <laughs> wow. oh man well when, did you end up getting to work with marco beltrami who was involved i guess his score kind of weaved its way in or an orchestration some sort of element right we did we we did some extra stuff here in atlanta and we worked with him in tandem and so we did some extra pieces that we've had put together and then he took our stuff and sort of yeah it got intertwined which was really cool you know so recently for film you guys did rufus lives for bill and ted face to music was that something where you actually get to see the film first and write something specific based on a particular scene or or a song you already had you just slap the name on it and say it's for the movie no i'd say it's about half and half we had something sort of developed. It was like a few riffs that were ha, have been thrown together that were part of the demoing process for what is going to be our next album, which we have way too much material. So we're like, does anybody need songs? We have songs. You know, it's like <laughs> we have 30. So they came to us and asked for a specific thing. They had a scene. They were like, okay, this is, okay, they're going to, they're riding with death on a bus and they're trying to get out of hell. And, you know, we hadn't written lyrics for the song yet. So we had the riffs, like I said, and we just sort of focused our attention on that to develop it more. Let's, we need a bridge. We need this. Let's do this. So we, we kind of just dropped the, when we're demoing or when, when we're writing, we have these, we, you know, you have these seeds, these seedlings or whatever, and they all are, are kind of growing at different rates you know, this one over here is getting a little bigger and it's starting to bloom. And then this one is we need some work and da, 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 da. So we just kind of moved everything aside and focused on the, that Bill and Ted plant and grew that out and then presented it. The first thing that we had given them, they they said, oh, this it's too like doom and gloom. Like we need more like party rock and roll. And we we're like, well, it's hard for us to do that. You know what I mean? Because like we're so attracted to minor key doomy sounding things like that's what that's what we want to make you know what i mean so party rock and roll is like it's almost like you might have the wrong band i don't know what, what we can do so we're trying so hard to be like what song do you want to listen to when you're you're 14 someone just cracked a, a beer ball like what do you what song is playing in the background and so that's what our what we think is playing is that rufus lives song
will be right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back. Hey, kids. Woo! Looky what I got for you. A free Rasputin beard as you enter the theater to shiver at the greatest double scare pair anywhere. Rasputin the Mad Monk <laughs> and the Reptile, both in color from 20th Century Fox. Look out, Street. Here they come. <laughs> Apparently, you've been busy drawing clowns. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I. Uh, so we we did shut everything down. Uh, you know, we didn't go to the studio for about three months. And when everything went on lockdown at first, it was said that it was going to be like fourteen days. Everyone has to stay home. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Uh, I believed uh, it. Oh yeah, everybody did. <laughs> I was like, I mean, why would it last any longer than that? That's ridiculous. Uh, So I have a clown room in my home. It's not your grandma's clown room. It's it's like very Italian kind of, you know, it's like it's it's orange and pink stripes. And and but there's the poltergeist clown is on the bed. You know, I have a a reproduction of the poltergeist clown because I mean, why wouldn't you? Some people should have money. So uh, so I like clowns and that's no secret. You know, I have a childhood thing with them you know my grandfather was in the shrine circus and we went to see the shrine circus every year and he would take us backstage and i got to see the clowns putting on their makeup and stuff and i was just enamored i was like oh my god it's so cool i like the aesthetics of a clown and there there is like like a part of me that is sort of antagonistic where i know that it's a thing for people you know it's a phobia you know and and i kind of like to pretend that I don't understand why they're freaked out, you know, whether they're a giant clown head when you go upstairs in my, uh, in my house or why there's a room filled with clowns, poltergeist clown, you know, Steven Spielberg ruined a lot of things for people. <laughs> clown, going in the ocean ruined. <laughs> when the lockdown started, I drew a clown and I used to draw a lot when I was a kid, but it sort of just, I stopped doing it for whatever reason. When I was like 15 or 16, I moved out of my house and, you know, I was living in an apartment and with a bunch of other people and I didn't have my drawing supplies. And just since then, I just never really was inspired to go back and do it again. But I always in the back of my head thought I would like to do that again, but I just am not motivated to. And Macedon takes up so much of my artistic time. And I almost feel like I'm like some kind of artistic monogamist in that way, where it's like my emotional artistic self can only be focused on like one sort of like one thing at a time. So the fact that I was, we were able to like push pause on Mastodon, which is something I haven't done in 20 years. It opened up that side for something else to come in. So I went and got my sketchbook, which uh, throughout the years I've bought sketchbooks and paint and markers and pencils and every art supply that you could imagine. And they just pile up in a closet and I'm just look. I look there every once in a while. I go, one day, I'm gonna crack you open and draw something, you know. So I drew a clown. It came out cool. I liked it. I sent it to a couple of 
artist friends of mine. I was like, hey, I drew a clown. Then I said to myself, I'll draw 14 clowns. I'll do, draw a new clown every day for 14 days. And then this will all be over and I'll have a nice little COVID collection of clowns, right? So 101 days later, I drew the last clown. <laughs> and the only reason I made it, to, that it, the only reason I did 101 was because I drew my, my Dalmatian, I drew my dog and I put a little clown hat on his head and it made sense. It tied it up with a nice little bow of 101 Dalmatian clown. That's it. I'm done doing that. Otherwise, I'd still be fucking drawing clowns right now. I probably wouldn't <laughs> if I had to do this podcast because I'd be like, no, well, I have to draw my clown. Right. So. <laughs> I got really like crazy about it. You know what I mean? Like, and I was sending them out to like, I had like 75 people on the daily clown mailing list, basically, where I would individually text the clown to each person on the list because I don't have any social media, you know? So. And these are like, like I saw one, there was a picture of like a clown Jaws poster and there's like a Texas Chainsaw clown. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of there. I did one of a, of a clown airplane heading towards the uh, Trump Tower. Oh, like, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> which was um, made some people bummed out. But I, I said every morning I was like, I'm not going to shy away from any idea that I have. You know, I'm going to I'm going to do every idea I have. When I wake up in the morning, I'll figure out, I'll get up at eight o'clock in the morning. I have coffee, a water and two Mandarin oranges and I'll crack my sketchbook open and I'll draw whatever clown comes to mind. And I did have like a running list of clowns that I, that I wanted to do. I was like, Oh, I'll do a Steve Harvey clown and a Richard Simmons clown. And uh, you know, the list went on and on. I did an open casket clown called underground clown, which was just, open casket funeral and the clown laying in there speaking of that there's a there, have you ever yeah. been maybe you've been to this bar oh, in, with the clown in, yeah, with the clown in the casket with the glass top yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah have you been there cia it's called yep yeah i like anything that's like that do you have like a top three clown movies like horror movies not necessarily you know i'm not i'm not necessarily a, a big fan of clowns that are scary on purpose sure because I feel like, and everybody's like blowing me up about it, you know, like, oh, you see, you, you must love it. You know, you must love that. I'm like, eh, I don't know. You know, it's fine. I kind of, I prefer the, the TV movie version, the Tim Curry version. You know, I like that Pennywise a little better. I, I think that the, the it movie, they're fine. They're okay. But that's not why I like clowns. You know, I think that they just, they do just fine on their own. They don't need to be horrored up i don't think you know but i do have dracula clown on oh, my oh that's awesome <laughs> that's nice. uh, nice. it was the it was the asianic nightlife flyer for uh the for the limelight in new york city back in like 1988 or 89 something like that so let's talk about a little bit about the genesis behind putting together the medium rarities collection well basically the idea was like we just have all this like shrapnel basically these loose leaf songs that throughout the years got released in one way or another but you have to be a real collector to kind of have access to them you know like there's some of the songs are on like like split seven inches and and seven inches that came out on like record store day or something at whatever particular time that they came out and they were very limited and only the super fans that got in line in the morning were able to get their hands on one or they get it on eBay. And let's be honest, how many, how many people sit down and listen to seven inches? 
right now. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, there are people that do, and I understand that, but for a vast majority of people, the way that they consume music has totally changed over the last 10 years. So we thought it would be a good way to sort of a celebrate the 20 years of us being together. For me, it's like looking, flipping through a photo album when I listen to it back, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, I remember remember that. I remember doing that. Or, you know, it was also a vehicle to release a, a loose leaf song that we, we recorded a couple of years ago that we never got to release called Fallen Torches. And we built a studio in our, we bought a, a building as a band and we opened a practice facility because the two major practice facilities in Atlanta closed down in the same month, rendering about 150, maybe 200 bands homeless, us being one of them. We heard tell of bands like practicing in, uh, in storage spaces and things like that. So we're like, well, we need a place to jam and a lot of other bands do too. So we started looking for a building. In phase two of our building, this building out, like turning it into practice spaces in the basement, when we were done, we put a, a recording studio down there so that, and our friend and engineer, Tom Tapley, he works down there and manages the studio. And if you're, you know, we have bands coming in there and recording, but to test it out when everything was plugged in and everything was finalized in the studio and it was finished and we'd set up the drums and mic'd them up. We wanted to see what we were working with. Like, what does this sound like? And the end goal for us is to be self-sufficient and be able to produce and record an album in our own studio. So we recorded, we're like, okay, yeah, the drums sound great. Cool. But we don't know what like that relates to, you know what I mean? Like we need a a song. So we wrote a song, Fallen Torches. We recorded it. It sounded great. Scott Kelly came into town to get ready for an upcoming European tour that we were doing together. He recorded vocals on it. Uh, it sounded great. We loved it. Let's put it out ahead of this tour so that uh, there's another, you know, promotional item for the tour and people can dig this new song. Uh, I don't know what happened, but two weeks into the tour, it's like, is that song? Is it coming out? What's going on? I have no idea. Red tape, bureaucracy. I don't know what happened, but the song didn't come out and then it's just sitting there. And we had already told people about it in the press. So they're like, where's the song? <laughs> Look over there. I don't know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a way, a way for us to put that song out, celebrate our 20 year anniversary, you know, and get all this loose leafed fringe songs that we've uh, done throughout the years, put them all together in one uh, compilation and give it to the people. And it can also be on like Spotify or Apple music, whatever, you know? So, yeah listen to it you don't have to go hunting your seven inches to right. listen to yeah, exactly you can get out the record player uh, leo you had a question about yeah. the album yeah the track white walker uh off medium rarities has a great story that led you guys to be on uh, game of thrones what was that experience like that was wild man i was just like i mean collectively our our band and crew that's like our, that was our favorite show you know especially around that that period of time when we were on tour sunday night it was like we recorded it and band and crew came together and we watched game of Thrones together. And we were in the UK doing some big festival over there with like Metallica and Alice in Chains and Motorhead. And we were backstage and actually most, most of the band we left cause we were like leaving to go home the next day. So we took off Brent stayed cause he wanted to hang out. And uh, he ended up meeting a few of the guys from the cast and one of the, one of the writers they came up to him. They said, uh, 
Hey, can we get our picture taken with you? He said, yeah, sure. I noticed you have a, an American accent. Where are you guys from? Oh, we're from LA. Oh, what are you doing in town? Oh, we're filming a, a TV show. Oh, what TV show? Game of Thrones. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting. Our publicist, it was Dan B. Weiss that was there. Uh, our publicist, Emma, she connected the dots. We had a tour that was starting in Dublin. They happened, they filmed in Belfast at Titanic Studios where they built the Titanic. That's where all the sets are. And they were also filming in a quarry that's about 45 minutes north of Belfast. And that's where they were filming this episode called Hard Home, which was this big epic battle with the White Walkers killing wildlings, turning them into whites. And you have that big kind of showdown. And then you have the that's like one of the one of the key one of the big, big moments in the, the in the series where the White Walker King, you know, raises his arms up like this and the army of the dead stands up. We were part of that army. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, we we're on set for like 14 hours. We're hanging out with White Walkers. One of my fun uh, moments from that was it was kind of cold and we were sitting in this little tent that was heated and I was in there with one of the most menacing looking White Walker dudes like that. Those prosthetics, there's not a lot of uh, CGI that has to be added. Just the just the eyes because they, they look real and they look fucking scary. Uh, so I'm sitting in there with this White Walker and uh, not talking and he's having trouble with his hot chocolate because he's like, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's talking to one of the production assistants and he's like, can I get a straw please? I'd like to drink this hot cocoa, but uh, I can't ruin my prosthetics. I'd like a straw. And the evilest thing you've ever seen in your life is just bummed out. He can't drink his fucking hot <laughs> Other than that, I, I just remember like, you know, laying in the mud and the the, the uh, White Walker King walking past me, and they did it like eight or nine times. I remember just looking up at him, just being like, "Holy shit, this is so cool! This is the coolest thing ever! I can't believe that." And it's another like thank you Mastodon moment for me, where I just go, "God, I, we're so lucky we get to do all this cool shit." So, what's going on with the uh, the latest on album number nine? Yesterday at practice. We went through, I think, eight songs that we can all as a band play together that we all know all the parts. And at this point, we're just drilling the material. You know, we just we'll go through. We, we are picking 12 songs that will be on this particular album and we just drill them and we pour over them and make sure they're as good as they can be before we go track them. And then uh, so I think we go in to track maybe middle of next month, I think. Something like that is what I what I was told. If you know, if everything is okay, <laughs> everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys been thinking about things like virtual concerts and all that kind of stuff, or is it just gonna be kind of just focusing on this new album? You know, we have options as far as that's concerned, but for now, we are going to we're sort of. It's hard for us to switch gears like that, you know, and be like, okay we're going to play a virtual concert. You'd think that it would be just like, well, just do, just play your, just do your songs, you know? But we, if we were going to do something like that, we want it to be really awesome, you know? And we want to be at our, the top of our game when we perform that, those, those songs. So we haven't been on tour in a while and all we've been doing is focusing on new stuff. And so we have to break from that, come up with a set list, rehearse the shit out of it, do the filming and then back to, so I think that we're just going to, concentrate on doing the album make sure that that's the best thing that it can be 
and then do some kind of virtual stream a little bit later, probably, you know, I don't know, after Christmas or something like that. Yeah. Seeing as there is so much horror being released these days and uh, yourself being a big horror fan, ever consider scoring a music for a horror movie? I mean, if we got asked, I would do it, but I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know who to talk to. <laughs> I don't have anybody's phone number. If you are a practicing director of horror movies, film, TV shows, whatever, Massanon is ready and willing to write a score for your movie. There. There you, yes! go. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Maybe even a clown movie. Yeah. Let's make a clown movie, people. And, they- <laughs> and then finally, dude, do you have any, any plans for how you're going to celebrate Halloween this year, man? It's a very different Halloween. I don't know. It's just going to be me and the, the skeletons, I think. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to get clowned up and I might walk around the neighborhood, stand in the middle of the street. I don't know. <laughs> around the Halloween season, we love going to like Universal Horror Nights. Are those kind of the things you like to do? Go to haunts? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we have a Netherworld here in, in Atlanta. Uh, we have a, a whole bunch of haunted houses here. In Atlanta, so I love, yeah, I love all that. It's awesome. Two Chains has a has a haunted house. It's like a trap house. Are you serious? Wow, what? Think, yeah, yeah, it's all like uh, it's a trap house themed haunted house that Two Chains has. <laughs> it's amazing. It's called the Pink House. And how long has that been going on for? Three or four years. Oh my! Is it year round or is oh, it just wow. a seasonal thing? Just a seasonal thing. I don't know if I mean I don't I I I, I want to go to all that stuff, you know, but I just don't know am i being irresponsible you know am i being like everyone else i'm being like i'm done doing this you know i'm fucking done you know but but it's not done it's very far from done you know so i still still because i'm able to i stay at home i'm i go to the grocery store i come home i go to the studio where there's only like three or four of us at a time and i come home and I, i don't go anywhere i haven't been to a restaurant since march I don't, I'm not doing, I'm not doing the stuff. I'm trying to stick to those guidelines as much as I can, because I can until there's a vaccine, you know, and trying to be smart, trying to be smart about it. But I want to go to a fucking haunted house so bad. I know, man. Uh, yeah. yeah it's crazy. You. Like just having people like, yeah, my thought is being trapped in an enclosed place of people yelling and screaming and stuff is probably exactly the wrong place you want to be right now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, not good. But I want to go so bad, but yeah. I mean, you know, I've been to a lot and I'm just going to try to make my house as creepy as possible. And I got the two uh, Beetlejuice sandworms out on the lawn now. Oh, great. Oh, those are awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah, love, they're really cool. I might head back over to Home Depot and see if there's anything else I want to throw up before, before the, before the day. Cool. Uh, yeah. In the middle of the street and be menacing. I'm going to try to, I'm going to be menacing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dude, thank you again so much for taking the time to spend with us. And we really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 177. Special thanks to our guest, Bron Daler of the band Mastodon. 
Follow them at Mastodon Rocks on Instagram and MastodonRocks.com. At time of release, their latest compilation, Medium Rarities, is available everywhere now. Music for this episode from Mastodon. Production tracks provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying... Sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shands and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shands. Chopped and sliced by Trevor Shands. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation. Part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.